Hello everyone, welcome back. Sorry we missed last week, hope you understand. Um, but we are super, super excited for this week's episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hi. I'm healthy again-ish. <laughs> <laughs> um, we wanted to come in with a bang, quite literally. Oh, you're <laughs> <And> funny. <laughs> Um, and do another episode on sex. Why not? Um, yeah, and specifically sex and health, uh, which is relevant because Sophia's health has been shit. (laughs) Yes. So health in general can interfere with a lot of things in life, and sex is one of those things. I am kind of going to start this podcast off with a little bit of information behind me and how this episode came to fruition. So I was diagnosed, formally diagnosed in November of 2019 with endometriosis. Um, I started experiencing a lot of issues with my health and that then correlated to a lot of issues with my sex life. Um, And it started me down a route and a journey I never thought I would take in life, but I have learned so much along the way and I truly wish I would have had this information back when I first started going through the throes and the ropes of my health crises. I'll just say that much. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, this is kind of, you're going to be the all-in-one book or at least as much information as I have. Um, This information has been culminated between uh, an OBGYN, a pelvic floor specialist, and a sex therapist. So I have really gotten a broad range of different professionals um, in my health corner to kind of go through and sort through everything and figure it out. Um, Yeah, Sophia, is there anything you want to say before I go ahead and start sharing the journey? Uh, No, just let you guys know that that Lauren's gonna kind of take the reins on this episode a little bit and I'm just gonna kind of give my feedback I don't I don't have endometriosis I do have my own health issues that have impacted my my sex life for sure so I'm gonna kind of piggyback off a little bit of what she's saying so yeah yep okay all right sounds good so let's get started I found this episode a little bit hard to approach because of the fact that there are so many different things that individual women struggle with when it comes to their sex life, and I physically cannot possibly mention them all. Um, From a personal standpoint, as you know, the endometriosis, I also suffer from chronic um, vaginal infections um, as well as... uh, pelvic floor issues and all the pain in the world that you could possibly imagine. So with that being said, 
Um, I have gained tools and I think that's kind of where I'm going to start off. So the very first thing that I did was have a conversation with my partner about all of this and the very first partner you ever had or like every partner you've ever I, had <laughs> no so um I'm I'm not gonna name names because we don't do this on that pod on the podcast yeah. but uh no actually so I guess I guess I should probably mention this a little bit the very first long-term partner I had when I was formally diagnosed with endometriosis and I was starting to go through the process of educating myself and figuring things out, they were not very supportive of what I was going through. And I, at that time, did not know how to have the conversation Mm -hmm. about what I was going through because we had already been in our relationship for, gosh, probably two years. Yeah. Um, and at that point, the expectations of what my partner at that time was expecting out of me versus what I could give at that point were completely opposite. But little did I know that that was a problem until we ended the relationship and went to sex therapy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so no, when I say I refer to having a conversation, it is my most recent, uh, partner who I haven't formally announced this on the podcast, but, um, I am newly single. So there's that. So when I went to get into that relationship, I had been going to therapy, mental health therapy, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy for like twice a week for six months. And I had really worked out the conversation that I wanted to have with my future partner at that time um, in regards to how I wanted to approach this situation. And I knew that I needed to have this conversation up front because I did not want to experience what I had gone through previously. So that is where this first step or this first tip comes in is to have a conversation. And when I say have a conversation, I mean sit down with your respective partner or future partner or somebody that you think, you know, release like sex could happen between you two or any form of physical intimacy could happen between you two if you're going in that direction Um, sit down and have a conversation yeah sit down and have a conversation and I think you should always have a conversation personally uh, but definitely this was my number one top thing that I ever did that I would suggest to anybody out there was be completely transparent about what you face when it comes to sex and give your thoughts your ideas your limitations your what you need out of a sexual partnership um all of it every last thing that you can think of give that information to that other person then after you're done having that conversation allow them to reply back Get their, their opinions, get their thoughts. The one thing I will say is, this is a really big conversation. And it's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable the first time you do it, but, like, once you do it, then it becomes a lot more comfortable. 
Right. Number one, that. But number two, your partner might not have feedback for you immediately. Mm -hmm. I was very fortunate in that situation um, to have a partner who was uh, receiving of the message that I was sent or I was giving them and explaining everything to them. And they were able to have a conversation with me back in that immediate moment. But be aware that your partner might not be in that same headspace. And your partner might need some time to think it over, um, you know, kind of think about what they want, what they need, and then they might need to get back to you. And as somebody who is not a patient person and is constantly working on that, that might be hard. But understanding that there's two people who are, you know, going through something that is a huge part of a relationship and navigating that together it might not be done overnight so I know you're going to talk about um probably next what what you do once your partner responds and like how to communicate efficiently with Mm -hmm. the issue but I'm I'm curious um to know how you feel like you would deal with or how you've dealt with um situations where the person that you're having this conversation with a potential partner is completely not receptive to it immediately and just kind of shuts you down. Like, how do you deal with that and not just, like, shut down and feel like, um, you know, all the terrible things about your health issue? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, (laughs) The one person who was not comfortable with what was going on with me, I ended up leaving. I think this is a very, another key component to this, and that is becoming comfortable with yourself. And when I say that, I mean thoroughly loving and accepting you for who you are as a whole person before entering into a sexual relationship. That is the best advice that I could possibly give Because if you do face adversity and you do face, you know, somebody who is not receptive to that, like you just said, um, it, it does make it a lot easier to be able to handle it, um, And, you know, I'm not in everybody's shoes. I cannot tell you exactly what to do. I cannot tell you if you're going to be crushed or not emotionally. But I can tell you from experience that if you are 100% comfortable and know what you want and are not going to settle for less, like, I don't know how else to say that, it makes it easier to either A, find a compromise with that person or B, you might have to walk away. And I know that sucks. Um, but if somebody is not willing to speak with you and find a compromise with you, do you really want to be with that person at the end of the day? Um, because if they're not willing to communicate and compromise with you in this one area, what else in the future, if you are struggling, are they not going to be willing to help you? Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, you need to put yourself in a place where you are in the headspace that you are willing to leave if something is not suiting your needs. And that goes for anything, not just sex. 
that goes for anything and everything. Don't settle. Do not settle. And that was one of the lessons that I had to learn the hard way, and I am so thankful that I did. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I think that that's important, too. Like, not even um, for with people with health issues, too. Like, just in mm-hmm. general, when it comes to sex, it's it's important to have a very respectful, loving relationship with yourself before you're able to have a respectful, loving sexual relationship with another person because sex is such a vulnerable um, space to be in that if you don't have a comfortable, loving relationship with yourself that there's probably going to be other issues attached to that regardless of whether or not you have health um, to add to that, like, issues. Yes. Yes. So I'm going to kind of move on to the next one is figuring out what page they're on and the expectations that you both have together and individually and this kind of does feed into what I just said of is your partner willing to compromise is your partner willing to find a middle ground and a lot of this is going to be having that communication to get yourself on the same page. I'm not saying that 100% of the time you're going to be having to make all these compromises and these changes and whatever, but are you two able to get on the same page? More than likely that will, you're going to have to meet somewhere in the middle. That is with every single relationship on, it could be literally any topic. So sex is no different. Um, and figuring out the expectations will help you to get to that same page. So for example, um, if your, you know, body does not allow you to do certain positions that your partner wants in the relationship and will only feel fulfilled in that relationship if they can get those specific positions and let's say maybe even dominate you and you just you cannot physically provide that that might be you know learning that expectation and figuring out okay is there a compromise no then you then you move forward um but just really seriously getting down to what those expectations are. And that is that is what I learned from the sex therapist, believe it or not, is, you know, putting out those expectations as blunt and as uneasy as it might be <laughs> to write out exactly what you need in a sexual relationship. Um, it's not, it's not easy all the time. You know, sex is a very, still quite a very taboo subject in our society. Um, and many of us are not used to just openly talking about it, but in order to get on that same page, you're gonna have to talk about it. Am I making any sense at all? I feel like I'm just ranting right now. No, you are. I think that, um, We've both been in situations where our our needs sexually have not been met. Um, and yes. like when you come from a situation where you know that your needs deserve to be met and they're not being met, it gets a lot easier. 
uh, to talk about these things and have these Mm -hmm. conversations with future potential partners. Um, But if you've never, ever been in a position where you've voiced things that you need or even sat down to think about the things that you need, not sexually, sexually, like whatever it is, um, it's going to be really weird to hear us saying like, you know, sit down and write down what you need and have a conversation because you might not even know what you need um, because Mm -hmm. you're just so used to having other people, you know, just you know, do what they do and then you feel crappy mm-hmm. and you just kind of let people walk on you um and until you kind of come into a mindset of of knowing what you need and really like trying to learn yourself and learn what you need um you need to do that before you can have this conversation so that's just a point yes. that I wanted and that, to make. that should have been a point I made at the beginning I apologize but yes knowing what you need um is definitely a huge factor in it and I'm not under the belief that you need to know every last little single piece of what you need in order to enter into a positive healthy sexual relationship no you learn as Um, you go I think you yeah you learn as you go like you're constantly learning as far as that goes in your life I think and having a basis or a very basic understanding even of kind of what you need is going to help tremendously. So yes, thank you for that uh, tidbit. I just want to say one more thing, like notice when you're not feeling good in a sexual relationship and just like catalog that because I feel like a lot of times like women, men, whoever it is, will just kind of ignore the negative feelings Mm -hmm. that they're that they're having and attribute it to just like well it was just this one time or um that's just how they are and I have to deal with it but like be a spokesperson for yourself if you have a negative feeling in a sexual relationship like communicate that to your partner and figure out like, think to yourself, like, if you're not ready to communicate to your partner, like, why am I having this negative feeling? Like, what could be differently for me uh, so that it's not feeling negative, so that it feels positive? Because I don't think people, a lot of people ask themselves those questions. Um, we do because mm-hmm. we're, we've trained our brains to ask ourselves what we need so that we can be the healthiest versions of ourselves. But it took a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that people, you know, starting out, probably aren't even asking themselves those questions. Why am I feeling negative about this? They kind of just shove it under the rug. So definitely ask yourself those things to figure out what you need so that you can have a conversation about your needs with your partner. (laughs) Very good point. No, that, that is a very, very, very good point. And there is groundwork. There's groundwork with everything, and this is no exception. Mm -hmm. So... Yes, I think I've covered all the bases as far as communication goes um, with yourself and with your partner Mm -hmm. in the beginning. So once those bases are covered, um, you move on to the explore stage, which is the fun nitty-gritty content that I think a lot of people um, enjoy 
enjoy a little bit more when they talk about different sex topics. So um, I'm going to get into that a little bit more here. So let's talk about tools. So when it comes to tools, lube is going to be your best friend. Um, I did not realize how great this tool was before I started using it and I had gotten a lot of suggestions to start using lube before I did and I kind of just kept knocking off I was like old women use this you know whatever like I'm young I don't need it any single age you're at it is helpful it is wonderful it is magical and I would recommend it to anybody and everybody the one thing I will say is use water-based and luckily enough I'm pretty sure anything I've ever used has always been water-based um but I say this because this whole episode is on health issues and oil-based can cause infection um and if you're like me who gets yeast infections really easily or bacterial vaginosis or whatever it might be this is not your best friend. Like, do, like I, I would heavily suggest avoiding it. Um, if you do not struggle with infections, you can try it out. I know some friends of mine who swear by it. It's just, it's not for me. And a lot of the um, people I know with health issues do try and avoid it. A second thing is anything flavored. While I know it can be fun, a lot of them do have sugars in them. And those sugars, if you don't know, uh, sugar does feed yeast and that can uh, make it grow. If you struggle with yeast infections or any type of infection, I highly would recommend against this um, just because you will notice a lot more recurrent infections. They might be fun, but at the end of the day, anything that is going inside of you should be careful with ingredients. Yeah, I'm curious um, to know... If you spit on your hand and kind of like massage yourself down there or massage him with the spit on your hand. Um, I've had a lot of medical advice when it comes to it. Saliva can actually cause, it doesn't last nearly as long, A. B, it can end up causing more friction. And C, your vagina and a penis also has a pH balance to it. And lubricants are specifically, or they should be, um, specifically being created to match the pH balance that is inside of you or on him. And saliva doesn't necessarily always match that. Interesting. So be careful with it. Okay. And I know uh, to all my, you know, fellow people out there on a bunch of medications and a bunch of other things that are is altering their body. Personally, I am on a medication right now that messes with my estrogen levels. Um, so, and if you're a fellow person with endometriosis or anything, you know, that kind of goes on with that, I would just, you know, there, there's no shame. There's zero shame. And if, if your partner or anybody else shames you for having to use lube, please leave them. Just please do because that 
there's no need for that and they specifically have products to help with this that should be no shame um i do want to plug a product really quick we we we're not sponsored by them literally have zero affiliation with them um but i do know that their product is pretty much top of the line as far as lubricants go it's called coco new uh, C-O-C-O-N-U, and they have all the different uh, kinds of lubes, so oil, water, everything like that, um, but they are one of the most natural ingredient lubes that you can kind of find out there, and I really wish I knew about them a long time ago. So I would check them out, and we will move on to the next topic of tools, which is sex toys. I know this could be a little bit uncomfortable to talk about, <laughs> um, but I highly, highly, highly recommend sex toys. Um, and again, there's zero shame in using them. And not only do I recommend them because they can be an awesome addition to sex with a partner, but as Sophia was talking about earlier, you know, getting to know yourself and all of that masturbation is nothing to be ashamed of and especially if you're someone who struggles with their sex life sex toys are an awesome addition to help out with that um from a personal standpoint I think finding a sex toy that complements different uh how do I say this? Different situations, different situations, like having multiple of them is one of the best things that I have found to do. Um, having, you know, toys that you can use personally while you're alone and also toys that you can use together with a partner. Um, I'm going to put this out there. I cannot believe I am saying this and putting this out on the internet. (laughs) But a clip massager, um, as a person who struggles with vaginal penetration, having something to stimulate exterior is significantly helpful, both while you're alone and with a partner. And I have honestly found that to be the number one go-to because it doesn't require pain at all. Um, there's no, like I said, there's no penetration and it gives you all the pleasure. You can mix it in while with a partner. Um, and it is the most versatile toy or tool that I have found to work for me and other women who struggle with um, health issues when it comes to sex. I'm going to pass the baton off to you, Sophia. For sex toys, I've never used one. You've never used one? No. What? Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. Yeah, I want to, but I just haven't. um, Not that that versed in that topic. (laughs) But I've heard they're they're great, so. Yes, they are. And, you know, the other thing is to, okay, so we're going to get into this a little bit more. I had to really like familiarize myself with this topic as I was going along with my journey. 
Sophia, you might not know this, but you can buy toys specifically that your partner can control. Um, and when I mean control, like remote control them. And that might be a way to experience intimacy with your partner. Not you specifically, but just anybody. Um, experience intimacy with your partner where they can feel in control and they're contributing something Um you know, if you're having a rough day, if you do not want, like, anything uh, physically penetrating you or whatever, um, it's just something to look into. I If if I was new to the game, um, I think the number one tip I would give to somebody, if it was me five years ago, is to explore a websites and just kind of see what's out there. Um, yeah. So that is my tip on sex toys. So the next tool I'm going to put out there is props. And I don't really know what else to label it besides props, but kind of just household essential items or bedroom essential items, better yet, that you can have at a moment's notice right there to kind of help you out. Um, my go-tos are pillows, towels, um, paper towel, stuff along those lines. I'm going to go into why with each one. Um, a towel to help out with if you bleed or if you excrete anything out of your body personally that maybe be an embarrassment to you or you don't feel the most confident in um having a dark towel honestly dark brown or black is the best i have found to use you can easily slip it underneath you and you don't have to look at it afterwards throw it in the wash and you're all good i use Next towels one is the pillow. on a regular basis <laughs> Okay, so yes, definite, definite uh, positive one. And if you get like a dark brown, it's not as questionable if somebody sees it versus black ones. I feel like black ones might be a little bit more questionable. Um, so if you're worried about anybody finding anything or seeing anything. Next one is pillows. So when it comes to doing different positions, different positions feel different ways, as I'm sure many of you know. Um but having something there physically to kind of help put you into a different position can be helpful if, you know, you do not have the strength in another part of your body. Um, it can help to prop you up or to lean against or do whatever you need it to do to help you and your partner have a better, smooth ride <laughs> at it <laughs> so I would say definitely pillow and towel that's all I use personally do you use anything else Sophia I can't think of anything that I've used for like health issues wise but just okay. for funsies um ties <laughs> Yes, you can definitely get adventurous with different things that you have in your house to spice up your sex life. Yeah, and I mean, like, if you don't want to do the whole penetration and, like, your partner's having an issue with the fact that they can't be dominant, like, a blindfold, 
Um, and like letting your partner do things like externally to your body with a blindfold is definitely a way to make them feel dominant if they can't, uh, because your body isn't ready or wanting that at that time. Yep. That's a good point. And I want to point out, I don't know why I didn't point this out in the beginning. Um, we're going to be talking separately about at the end of this episode about, um, if you're in the mood or not in the mood and your partner is in the mood and how to kind of navigate that a little bit because Sophia and I have both faced that um, and I, I definitely significantly have faced that and what to do. How to, like, what do you do in that sort of circumstance? So we will touch on that. It's just going to come a little bit later. So yes, um, going on to the exploring with the actual physicality of it I'm going to talk about um, foreplay to begin with how to do that and positions I think those are the two big ones Sophia is there anything else you want to add into that one when it actually comes to the physicality of it Mm-mm. okay so let's start out with foreplay Foreplay can be a bit difficult when you are facing health issues. I'm just going to put that out there right now. Um, I have struggled with it. I don't know if you've struggled with Sophia. Struggled with receiving or giving? Either one. I definitely have struggled with receiving. Okay. So I have struggled with both. And I've kind of worked out a little bit on different ways to go about foreplay. And I want to share those. I'm not sure how helpful they'll be, but it's just, it's something I wish that was talked to me about years ago. So I'm going to put it out there in the world. I think that foreplay, it's, I feel like it's always talked about that it starts in the bedroom. But honestly, there's no rule out there that says that foreplay has to start in the bedroom right before you're about to have sex. Yeah. There's no rule out there that says that. I was going to say that too. And like foreplay absolutely does not start in the bedroom. Like if you have a good sex yeah. life, foreplay almost never starts in the bedroom. <laughs> And I feel like it's stereotypically, it starts in the bedroom. You know, you, you start getting it on and it, it just, it happens there. And that's just simply not true. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of one of those things that I had to personally work my mind out of the fact that that is not true. And once you get to that point, I think it's a lot easier to navigate building you both up. Because you can both do it in whatever way that you need throughout the day or the week or however long you're building this up. And I say that because sometimes, um, you know, if I'm having a really bad... I mean, I go through um, spurts of time where I quite literally can't have sex for months on end because I have a flare-up. And it is so painful that I would rather eat nails than have sex (laughs) penetrative sex so 
for me personally, once I figured this out, that it doesn't necessarily start in the bedroom, I was able to work in foreplay in a way that I was able to kind of get myself going by myself without a partner there and then my partner was able to come into this the situation so you know taking a bath or you know playing with yourself before the actual act while you're alone in the bedroom you know like sneak away for a little bit and do something for yourself that helps you to get you yourself in the right mindset both physically and mentally. Um, that is, like, number one tip right there as far as foreplay goes. But there's more the than just, like, touching is... yourself, too. Like, more than the physical aspects of foreplay. Like, a lot of sex is mental, especially for women. Oh, so, yeah. So, like, if you're, like, foreplay includes, like, your partner coming up to you and rubbing your shoulders while you're doing the dishes. Like, some, like, just very... You know, like, your partner winking at you or just telling you, like, how beautiful you look or how sexy you look during the day. Like, all of that is included in foreplay. Like, if you're not attracted to your partner throughout the day um, because of the actions that that person is doing and and the way that they look and the way that they're interacting with you, then, like, you're going to have trouble in the sex life. It's just they're interconnected and impossibly that you can't separate them. That is true. That is true. But I also think that your partner doesn't necessarily have to do all of the work to help get you into that mindset either. And I guess that's kind of where I'm going with this. Um, I mean, people masturbate all the time and are completely single. Mm -hmm. They are single as heck. So... Well, yes, it is extremely important to be able to have foreplay, maybe not on a daily basis if you've been in a long-term relationship. Um, it, the intimacy in the physical sense on a day-to-day ebbs and it flows. Um, and so when you're in a relationship for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, um sometimes being able to take that step back and having that intimate relationship with yourself to begin and start with definitely helps I will I will put that into the air um so yeah that is one thing that I have done in the past that I think has helped significantly is making sure even while in a relationship that that connection with myself is still there um, as well as with my partner. Second one is going into the foreplay, which Sophia kind of already touched on, of, you know, everyday life, like spicing things up. Leave a sexy note for your significant other on the counter in the bathroom when they get up in the morning. Um, You know, do literally anything. Um... That, that's a little bit outside of the everyday norm and I think that that can also help to put them in a um, headspace too and then they can reciprocate and do something for you and that kind of feeds back and forth until you're able to actually do something together um, and you know there's sexting there's 
phone sex or whatever. And I encourage, honestly, I know a lot of people are very against that kind of stuff. I personally encourage it. If it's with the right person, if you are confident and you whatever, I am totally open to it. And I think that we are in a day and age where it's just going to get more and more popular as time goes on. Be safe. Please be safe. I know there's only a, a so much safety you can have with, you know, the internet and whatnot. Um, but I'm not necessarily against it. Do you have any feedback on that? I feel like I don't want to say out loud because my friends and family listen to this, but I am all for that type of thing. Like, for me personally, the imaginative part, like, the emotional, the mental part of sex is, like, 85% of the sex for me. Oh, for sure. So, um, building an imagination or, like, a a fantasy through phone Mm -hmm. or notes or texts or pictures or whatever it is, is, uh, pretty crucial to my sexual relationship, so... Definitely. Um, yeah. So can just to summarize all of that, you don't necessarily have to have your partner for foreplay, number one. Number two, it doesn't have to happen in the bedroom. It can happen a week prior beforehand um, and continue to be built up before you guys are actually doing a physical act with one another. And see. It doesn't have to be inherently sexual, like Sophia said. Like, it could be a massage as you're doing the dishes on your neck or whatever. Um, but just that that buildup, um, I think, is what is most important. So, on to positions. This one's a difficult one because it is so dependent on the person. Literally, again, we're going to get graphic here for a second. The shape of two human beings and their individual parts can play a factor into the positions that you do and find most comfortable. So what you may find comfortable and, you know, whoever else you're listening to on the internet find comfortable could be two completely different things because you're two completely different people. Um, But in general, I would say the positions that I have found, and I have asked, I asked the sex, I've asked my sex therapist when I had one. I have asked my pelvic floor specialist when I was seeing her. And I've also asked my OBGYN multiple times. And every single time it was, positions that you can control number one and number two positions that do not go super deep Mm -hmm. and between those two finding what works for you I think is the most beneficial way to go about it um and like if something hurts tell your partner that it hurts like, don't just yes. sit there and suffer oh, yeah, through definitely. it. Like, communicate. It's oh, yeah, not for sure. weird 
to communicate while you are having sex with someone. That's not weird. People think that's weird. That's very good point. Very good. Please communicate when you are having sex. It is okay because it will only make the sex better. (laughs) The the best sex I have ever had has always been with someone that communication never stops. Right. You're talking. It stops, obviously, but like it. It also never stops. Like we talk before we talked beforehand in the beginning of the relationship. You know, we communicate in the moment of like, hey, I'm in the mood, you're in the mood. We communicate during, you know, yeah, maybe let's try this or, you know, I need this or whatever it might be. And then also I'm going to get to this in just a couple minutes. Um, communicating at the end too. Mm-hmm. I feel like once people are done, they just kind of stop talking and it they move on with their lives. And honestly, the best sex I have ever had has always been with somebody that I communicate afterwards as well. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but yes, communicate, 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 communicate. And um, as far as it comes to positions, again, going back to the positions missionary and cowgirl um is honestly probably the best positions that you i have found that you can do it in um missionary for one it doesn't necessarily go in as deep um doggy style i would probably say is the worst for somebody who has significant pain especially like pelvic floor issues or whatever you're dealing with. It is a well-known fact that I did not find out till way later that doggy is just not as comfortable for a lot of people, even though I feel like it's one of the most stereotypical positions out there. Um, it's not necessarily almost all, it's not necessarily the most comfortable. Um, there are variations of it. I would suggest exploring. <laughs> And you might find those comfortable. And if you do find that position comfortable, go for it. You do you. Um, But again, I'm just saying the ones that I have kind of figured out throughout time. And then cowgirl. Cowgirl, you can control. Uh, You are are in complete control. So I would heavily suggest those two to start out with and then exploring from there. So almost completing here. Um, But like, Sophia was saying earlier communication and you've already been communicating I hope throughout the entire beginning of the process but the end of the process once you're done you're cleaning up you know hopefully you're using the bathroom if I, you should be using the both should be using the bathroom afterwards um but hopefully as the lady you are using the bathroom whatever Talk about it. Hey. Okay, hold on. I feel like a lot of people don't know that. I feel like a lot of people don't know you're supposed yeah. to use the bathroom after you have sex. That's because there's germs and, and things that have gotten up in there. And if you pee, it will help eliminate those things. <laughs> yeah. Please, 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 We're not please talking about pee. going to the bathroom to, like, powder your nose. We're talking about go pee because no. it will help prevent a UTI. Go pee. Yes. Please pee. Um, and also, if you did use lube, coming from somebody with chronic infections down there, I still don't know why. Nobody knows why I have gotten them. Um, and yes, I've been tested, all of that. No need to go down that route. Um, but get rid of some of that lube, girl. 
get rid of some of it. <laughs> like, yeah. Wipe it away. If you need to shower, shower. Um, get as much moisture away naturally, of course, um, as you can afterwards, and that will help you tremendously. But please pee. Yeah. And then also, um, like, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I am, like, I have the worst phobia of getting pregnant. Um, so if you are going through health issues, I know, like, Lauren, you can't be on birth control because um, of no, your health issues. Be. So, like, if you're mm-hmm. not on birth control and you don't want to get pregnant, um, if, if the guy does not pee after having sex, um, then, like, some of the sperm can linger in the canal. Um, and mm-hmm. the neck, like, if you were to have sex again soon afterwards... Um, you could get pregnant from, like, gen- like natural lube, like, the, the pre-cum, like, even if he does not finish inside yeah. of you. So that's, like, a big yeah. and I, um, I think... preventative reason a guy should be after having sex, too. Yes, and we do not have the time to touch on this, but maybe I should do a whole episode on natural planning when you have health issues because you're right. Like, oh, I know – a lot of women who cannot be on birth control and um for a long time I couldn't I physically couldn't use condoms because they irritated me so much yeah and I had a very long in-depth conversation with my OBGYN about that fact she said you don't use condoms do you and I said no and she's like yeah I didn't think that you did like there's no reason why you should at this point and she was honestly on board with me using natural planning and she almost suggested it just because of everything that I have gone through with it so I feel like I kind of got that down now Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I can make an entire episode on natural flaming natural family planning and how to track everything um etc so but we're not going to talk about that right now let's talk about the communication piece please after you finish peeing, after you shower, whatever, if you're close enough with your partner that you pee with the door open, or talk. in the same room, just sit there. Yeah, you're in the same room. Just talk. Hey, I really loved that. Yeah, me too. Or, hey, that was awesome. I really, really, really liked this part. Or, hey, next time, maybe could we try this? Something along those lines. And ask your partner questions. Yeah, like, or just saying, like, how did that feel? Did that feel good for you? How, yeah, exactly. How did that feel for you? Did that feel good? Did, like, would you change anything? I mean, I hope that they are at a point where they're speaking up. But definitely, if they're not, encourage them to speak up, too. And I feel like the, the end of communication... I feel like the end of sex communication is just so not talked about publicly at all or socially that when I first started doing it I thought I was crazy like I swear to you I'm like am I so in my head about this that I'm actually talking about sex after it happens (laughs) because I've talked about it this entire time through and now I'm like talking about it even after it's done But no, like, honestly, it is one of the healthiest things you can do because you're both in that moment. You both can recall everything that just happened within that amount of time. And you're able to give immediate feedback 
on what physically felt good and what did not feel good. Yeah. And I promise you, probably two days later, they are most likely, I mean, maybe not, but they might most likely probably are not going to remember the little details about things um, because they've moved on with their day and they're thinking about the next time that they want to do it. (laughs) So, um, yeah, please, like, talk about it afterwards. Anything else you want to say, Sophia? So I think that it's important to do the communication after sex, too, and during sex. Um, Like, everything is so intertwined, but something that we've talked about um, but we haven't talked about very much is love languages. And so if you or your partner Mm. um, are a words of affirmation kind of person – it's really important to have that communication um, for even another reason, and that's the the words of affirmation part of the sex because I think that as someone, me, who needs words of affirmation, um, and also my partner does as well, if we don't have that communication afterwards, it leaves our anxiety-ridden brains with like, well, did I do this good enough or, um, you know, all these thoughts that come through. Um, and so just talking about that just doesn't leave the space for the anxiety to take over for either person. I agree. I agree. Um, one thing that I totally forgot I wanted to say, completely unrelated to what you just said, but I want to get it out there before I forget. If you are, we were talking about, um, protection and, not only birth control, but against, you know, STDs and everything like that, condoms. Condoms are one of the most easily accessible forms of birth control and protection um, against mostly everything when it comes to sex. If you are somebody who has a very irritable vagina, look into getting latex-free condoms. Um, I know that there's some companies now that are kind of just starting to go a little bit more natural with their ingredients that makes up the condoms, um, or the lubes that are on them, etc. But that was one of the best switches that I think I have ever made was going latex free. I'm not technically allergic to latex, but... Even my partner at that time um, commented how much better they were in general and more comfortable and just everything. I would highly recommend them. Sorry, Um, I did not mean to veer off the path that you just said. (laughs) That's okay. Um, Okay. So, yeah, so those are some tips and tricks on how to, like, where to start if you are uh, going through health issues or if you, like, struggle with sex, um, how to, like, address that and and start thinking about, like, how to make it better for yourself. Yep. I hope those help. I think that's the most vulnerable I have ever been Mm. on the internet before. So I really hope they helped. Um, And, yeah, we will catch you guys in two weeks. Okay, bye. All right, bye.